0: Welcome to Wisdom Explored, Conversations with Rabbi Corinne. I am Janet Spiegel, Rabbi Corinne's daughter.
1: Hi, and I am Rabbi Corinne Kopnik Janet Spiegel's mother. This
0: episode, we are going to explore why writers write. So Rabbi Corinne, my mom, has uh, written six books, and just recently launched her sixth book called Miracles or What You Make Of Them, available on Amazon. And in her introduction, she actually talks about why writers write. So I'm gonna invite her to read an excerpt from the introduction of her book uh, so that we can then have a nice little conversation about it. So Rabbi Corinne, why do writers write?
1: Well, I write, like many others, from a burning need to set down my thoughts before they are lost. It's a desire to give them to other people, to share. Because like most gifts, what is written cannot really be given until it's received. Now, at times in my life, which now spans more than eight decades, Getting close to nine, writing has also been a search, an attempt almost unknowingly to reach out to the divine, or at least to expand the glimpse of divinity within ourselves as created beings. I am a rabbi now, one who came to that calling at a late age. In fact, I graduated from rabbinical school and was ordained at the age of 79, after six years of really intensive study. I believe in the Judaic purpose to do, to do in accordance with a moral code intended to be both particular and universal. Our laws are supposed to be particular to Jews, who in turn by their behavior will be a light unto the nations. That is set an example of moral behavior accompanied by fruitful actions that will encourage other peoples to do the same. Believe in God because God is good. God is Tov. Tov means good in Hebrew, Tov. Think Tov. Do Tov to yourself and others, study why we do Tov, study how to do more Tov. That is our moral code, our moral code in brief. The difficulty, especially today, is interpreting what is good, something we have debated in our Talmud, in our houses of study in our congregations, in our hearts and souls for thousands of years. And now in our open society, many people have been asking, is everything relative, a moral equivalent? The global looming shifts in democracy and disturbing moves to autocracy are a double trend, upsetting long-held values So my continuing question is this, what's good? Ma tovu? As Micah 6 tells us in verses 8 to 12 in the Bible, He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, only to do justice and to love goodness and to walk modestly with your God.
0: Thank you for reading those two excerpts from your introduction. The book is called miracles are what you make of them. It's available on Amazon. And that wasn't the whole introduction. That no, was, no, it was just a portion. It was yeah. so it was two separate little segments. Yes. And I kind of would like to talk about both. The first one was about what, what compels you as a writer. Yes. The second segment you talked about, tov doing good what doing good is how we do good mm-hmm. and kind of looking at the concept of good in a in a global let from a global lens as well as a very um micro lens person uh, very intimate personal and, and
1: jodea so
0: tying those two segments of your introduction together what I mean the book is about hope Miracles are what you make of them is about hope here yes. you talk about doing good yes what well, that's part of hope but what gave you what
1: gave you the inspiration to write this book well actually the inspiration started some time ago because uh, I wrote my rabbinic thesis um about uh hope about specifically about finding concepts of hope uh in the Talmud because the conception of hope in the Talmud is very different from the way we experience the idea of hope here in the 21st century. Okay. And um, but do they more, do they
0: use the word hope in the Talmud? There is
1: no actual word uh, for hope. There is the word sever, which is brokenness. And so this would be like the, the antidote to brokenness. And the the um, the attitude in the Talmud is that we must be resilient and that we must pick ourselves up and move forward. So you don't hope, give up. You so never give is, up. So hope is almost defined as resiliency. It's one of the one of the aspects of hope. There are many different aspects to hope, but my uh, and I specifically looked in my thesis at uh, hope in the narratives of the Talmud. And that's why I included partly uh, so many stories in my book to illustrate each theme because I saw that the Talmud, that's what it does. It uses stories uh, to illustrate the themes that are in the Talmud so that people can relate to them. It's hard for people to relate to abstract themes but you can relate to something that happens to you or to your neighbor or to your society. And like, why? And what's the, what's the antidote to hopelessness? Is there such a thing if you believe that we, that that continuity is part of one of the aspects that makes hope possible. So interestingly,
0: your book, which you, I mean, you've distilled all these concepts from a very academic and very scholarly thesis thesis, yes, with hundreds, if not thousands, of references. Got a lot of references. Biblical (laughs) documentation, Talmudic documentation. Modern documentation. Modern modern documentation. I mean, lots of documentation. And even in this book, which you've written in a form that is so open and welcoming, to people like me who perhaps have never read anything from the Talmud or, you know, people who don't have the same academic leanings as you. Yes. And there have to be, I don't know, how
1: many footnotes are in there, 300, 200? I just looked it up. There were a lot more, but we we cut it down in publishing the book. There we go, 197. 197. Okay,
0: so a lot of the stuff that's dense, that's more dense and more academically um sourced there's some fantastic uh
1: there's good information uh, in the footnotes.
0: fantastic information in the footnotes and also in your appendix
1: so i noted that you which also gives the people who are interested the ability to take it further in other writings yeah more academic writings
0: so you took an uh you took an academic book yes an academic thesis yes you translated it to a language and to a way of storytelling that makes it highly accessible to everybody, from any faith,
1: really. From any faith. And um, because it's about God. In my concept of faith, God is for everyone. We interpret it in different ways. We interpret our relationship to God in different ways. But God is something that we, we can't capture in our hands. God is something so much greater than ourselves. And God is for everyone. God created the world. And as we found out uh, uh, in more recent times, much more than the world, much more than the universe. Today we have the mega universe. And I talk about that in my book quite a bit too. One of so the you, names you, you
0: of. So you meld together concepts of science yes. with
1: your. Um, with my belief, with your belief,
0: with your beliefs about God and how those two
1: are intertwined. Right. I've always felt that way. This is not a new belief for me. Um, and I always feel that everything is there. Everything is here in our world. Everything is here for us to discover. It's just, we have to discover it and then we have to find out ways of putting it to use. So as we make all these scientific discoveries with our God given intelligence, um like it's already there (laughs) we
0: just learned how to put this and that together yeah and your stories are really they're not all of your stories even talk about god no your stories talk about resilience there's no doubt about that that's right they talk about good doing good receiving good and finding good they're about circumstance they're about society yes and individuals in society
1: persons how people take their own responsibility. Because people have to take responsibility individual as well as societal and hope doesn't just happen by itself, which is something else I talk about in my book. Hope demands personal commitment and for an older person, especially the will to continue. You keep on going. Or for a person who's experienced undue hardship, the will to keep going to believe, to pick it up, to continue with your faith, and to pass on your values, your integrity, to pass it on to the next generation. And that's something that I feel we have to work on today. The passing on of our values to the next generation doesn't mean that they can't embroider them even more, that they can't expand them, that they can't make them even more valuable values but it has to be built on a basis of what already is.
0: I also note that in so many of your stories, hope does not sit there on its own. Hope is, is or the resilience is due to adversity in many instances. Yes. Or coming to realizations as a result of challenge, struggle, recognition of things, whether internal or external, right? Not that I advocate struggle. No, no, no. But you, but it's, it's very, they're marked yes. in a way that, that show you where the hope comes from or how the hope overcomes or, and how what the evolves, struggle is. how yeah. it evolves also yeah. so and
1: the, how it is embedded. You might have to hope alone, but, it expands so much more if other people, uh, can, can, can feel your vibe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we only have a couple of minutes left for today, but I just wanted to ask something else and that's about your work ethic as a writer. Oh, uh, so (laughs) on I've known you my whole life, And I've seen you through so many iterations uh, from when you very first started struggling with finding the right words for poems poems that you were writing to ultimately watching you write or 10, 12 hour jags at a time because the words were flying out of your brain, burning you until you got them down on paper. So can you just share a little bit about what the process is like for you as a writer from when you get an idea or when you're struggling for that idea to come together to when you're finally able to get it down on paper?
1: Right. It becomes an obsession. Um, It's actually not a very healthy way of working because I know when I decide to write something, it I my own process is odd because it percolates in, well maybe others share it, but it percolates in my mind for a long time and the idea grows. And when I sit down to write, it actually almost writes itself because I've done so much in searching and so much reading and so much, um, so much Uh, There's so much searching in my heart, in my mind, in my head. And when I sit down to the computer, I absolutely do not recognize the time. I just keep at it until what I've got there that has to come out. It has to come out and I have to be able to see it on the paper or I have to be able to talk about it. But even that is not enough. I can't just talk about it. I just have to put it on the paper from the computer so that it isn't lost. Because I know that technolo- knowledge that's stored technologically can be lost by the next generation of computers or yes, whatever. Yes, we've
0: definitely gone through many reams of paper here. Many
1: reams of paper <laughs> <laughs> and have gone through floppy disks and cartridges and like all kinds of things. But you know, you have to have um, it's something that exists in a medium beyond the technological.
0: Now, some writers are very disciplined. Like they'll get up in the morning and they'll write from six to 10, and then they go on with their day. Have your style is different? Yeah. Can you share what's different about do, your do you style? Do you want to tell me what you've observed of my style? I'll tell you if that's yes. all right. What I have observed of your style yeah. is that you are insane. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I and guess that's a compliment. No, for what, a I've, writer. what I've observed is that you are your most creative at night. Yes. And that's quiet. Yeah. You're a night writer. Uh, you've spent many, 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 many nights working away through the night, yeah. uh, getting your writing down. And I've also noticed that whatever you've written as your first draft is never even close at all to what your final product is. It's no. like you, the fire burns, you get it down on paper, the ideas are there. And then once you've got all that Uh, all those thoughts out there, then you start to form it. Then it, then it starts to create form kind of like the way that a potter has a chunk of clay and they've got to get the clay to the right consistency and the right measure and they work it and work and work it. But what their end
1: product never resembles the love of clay. Every word is very important to me. Uh, I have cut out, I cut out at least a hundred pages from this book. Uh, If not more, (laughs) if not more. And it would have been very good like it would have been nice to have all that in, but I didn't want it to detract from the central theme that I was trying to get across. And I wanted it to be, it's not a simple book in concept, but it is greatly simplified from the academic tone that I had mm-hmm. uh, for my thesis. And I also included stories like, like the Talmud did, but these were stories that I have experienced, Uh, or other people that I know about have experienced or people I've had direct contact with have experienced that illustrate the theme of each chapter. And are more relevant to a modern reader. Relevant to a modern reader. You can go through my book, and if you want to skip the concepts, you can just read the story. (laughs) If you love poetry, go through and read the poems, you know. Um, But you don't have to do that because it is an integrated whole. Okay. All right, well, we're
0: going to wrap this up. Yeah, it's obvious that you have such a great love of words and your book, There's No Doubt Every Word has been carefully
1: selected. Don't if you if anyone reproduces one of my poems and actually giving me credit. Do not change a single word, please. (laughs) Okay.
0: anyway, (laughs) we as the readers uh, appreciate and celebrate the love with which each word is put together. It's a gorgeous book. Miracles are what you make of them. And I want to thank you all for listening to us today. And thank you, Rabbi Corinne. It's light in your hands, too, because it doesn't have a hard
1: cover. (laughs) It's a paperback. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening.